The reality is is now on Patreon, and here are some of our fabulous supporters. Chastity Davis. Don't be fooled by my name. The only thing I abstain from is your bullshit. Jessica Riley. Where I come from, money can buy you anything, but I'll take the garbage plate. Seiran Hayati. In Sweden, we have ABBA, IKEA, and if you mess with me, some other four-letter words. Kelly Payfer. I may be from Down Under, but don't ever underestimate me. Richie D. If you can't be cool, you can't be with Caduce. Megan Shaw. I may be a mom. Model, but I'll never be your model minority. Becca Simon. It gets icy where I'm from, so you know I'll bring the heat. Jill Hirsch. Your petty drama can't take this warrior down. Jamie Allrunner. Where I come from, we're known for our great lakes, but I'm just known for my great ass. Sarah Gibbs. You may not like the cut of my jib, but that's what you get from Sarah Gibbs. Maria M. Where I'm from, they sing God Save the Queen, so I guess you can call me a god. Jill Walsh. I made it up this hill myself, and I'll kick any jack off. Jesse Willis. I may not run in traffic, but I'll give you a run for your money. Eleanor Manning. I run with a fabulous circle of people, and you're not even on my payroll. John Friedman. Diamonds aren't a girl's best friend. John Friedman is. Sarah Watkins Bilstein. Playtime is over. This mama means business. Laura Zielinski. Whether it's breast pumping or fist pumping, this Jersey girl brings the party. Amanda Agosti. Everything is bigger in Texas and my heart is no exception. Tracy Masters. When you're the master of your own destiny, no one can ever take you down. Marl Farsi. Reading is fundamental and in Farsi, the reads are monumental. Tracy Newman. My presence is a gift, so remember the thank you note. Lola Del Rio. Whatever Lola wants, Lola gets and I get it all. Adade Adidoko. It may look like I'm stirring the pot, but I'm actually just smoking. Deepa Kanapoli. Some people say I have secrets, but at least they're not federal indictments. Jada. People are intimidated by my great success and my great ass. Naveen Jonathan. I'll give you the shirt off my back and also my unsolicited opinion. Adil Ibrahim. Some things are too hot to handle, like me and the tea I spill. Trinity Subramaniam. I have four degrees and eight syllables and zero fucks to give. Beth Bayer. The secret to my success is staying out of your BS. Shannon Anthony. There's no fun in moderation, but there's plenty of shame. Rita Ryan. Don't be fooled by my Midwest charm, because I'm nobody's fool. Brianna Tony. Some people strive for perfection, but I'm already there. And lastly, Tanisha. While others are turning tables, I'm dancing on them. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Reality Is. As always, it's Noor. How's everybody doing? Um, 
I know this is a little late. I usually release this on Saturdays, but I was delayed because I was spending time with family. Okay. Okay. Sue me. Um, but today we're talking about warehouses of Beverly Hills. We're talking about warehouses of Dubai. Between the two shows, I saw a couple of themes that I thought were really interesting because I think that the Dubai girls are trying to take a page out of the Beverly Hills women and how they sort of operate. Um, so behind the scenes, what's going on right now in Dubai is that um, Chanel Leon is obviously, I've said it before, in my opinion, she's a breakout star of the show. Well, Vulture did an article with her and it was an interview about her and her whole experience with housewives. She talks a little bit about her background. She talks about growing up in a Muslim household. She talks about being Muslim and how she is still considers herself one, but you know, she's like, she has a lot of struggles with who she is and what she's constantly trying to represent or not represent and all that stuff. It's actually a really great article. Um, so she did that. And of course, of course. The other women, um, Stanberry and Sarah Alfodani and Fraudani and I don't know what Nina's doing. Honestly, no one's keeping track. And then, of course, Carolyn Brooks. They're all just going on and on and on and making it about themselves and being like, how could she say this? And like, she barely even mentions any of them. And they really are up in arms. And I feel like that is such a move from the Beverly Hills girls, you know, like every single week. The Dubai girls are on social media fighting about some bullshit, being completely on the wrong side of history. And that is so something they do in Beverly Hills. So I think the big thing I see between both shows is I see a bunch of women who are fighting with each other about the television show they're trying to create, essentially. I think that in Dubai, Caroline Stanberry thinks that the show should be about her and being fabulous and rich and all that stuff. But when Ayan comes into the mix and she talks about other things and she says the thing she says and she creates a little bit of, um, you know, she the type of shade she brings in is not Carol, the type of shade Caroline Stanberry wants, right? She wants to be the boss of the house. And in Beverly Hills, the Fox 4 flop want to be creating a certain kind of show. And it's um they don't like that Sutton says what she wants um or doesn't go along with what they want. They don't like that Garcelle actually calls him out on things. And I think essentially on both shows, these there is a war between women who are reacting like normal human beings and women who are trying to create a television show. So let's talk about our houses of Beverly Hills where no one is reacting. <laughs> no one except for like three people are acting like human beings. Okay. So we open back up at this homeless, not toothless event. Everyone is hugging and wiping off whatever one tear on each other's faces. And Dorit brings out a cake for Kyle. Um, and there's like a shot of the men talking and PK is trying to rope Rob into NFTs and cryptos and blockchain. And all of the actual rich people are like, <laughs> okay. Like the... The dentist and Rob and Mauricio are like, okay, all right, all right, crazy man in a button-down leather shirt. <laughs> We're going to let you have this because you, you just brought out Melissa Etheridge, but I was going to say Melissa McCarthy. How amazing would that be? Was she just like, <laughs> she's like went up there and saying something. Anyway, I, P.S., just took some um, cold medication because 
it sounds like I'm sick. And I, of course, as you obviously guessed, I did get COVID swabbed twice this week and it's not COVID. Um, it's just the cold. Um, anyway, so I took some medicine and I'm a little loopy loop. Um, Anyway, it doesn't matter what the stupid men are saying because who gives a shit about that? Anyway, Rena is, um, you know, talking to the group and she says that her blow up um, on Sutton was really about all the other issues that are going on in the group and her grief and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So then they're like, all right, let's all hash it out. We're all together. We're all, you know, here in one scene after a long time because nobody has COVID. So let's all get it out in the open before they do Garcelle. Garcelle looks at <laughs> looks at the side and she's like, hey, you guys can leave. And she talks to, it cuts to like the three people still sitting there. It's Dr. Grossman's daughters and then Nadia, who is Dr. Saleh's wife, the dentist's wife. And I feel so bad for the dentist's wife. She was like, okay, well, I mean, I was trying to eat dessert, but uh, okay. Um Anyway, Crystal says, okay, fine, let's if we're let's all hash it out. And she talks about her eating disorder and she says how she knows everybody was talking about her. And she wants everyone to know that she's been in therapy for this and she's been talking to somebody about this since she was 13. And Erica and Kyle have the fucking nerve to be like, basically be like, but you aren't seeing the right people. And this is just so fucking indicative of people who do not understand eating disorders. Okay. Erica, who two episodes ago was basically admitting to her own eating disorder via laxatives, being like, oh, just, you know, essentially put it to bed and be be done and move on. And then we've seen Kyle seasons after season getting surgeries to change her appearance, which is like, fine, whatever. But she's constantly changing her appearance. She's constantly fat shaming herself. She's constantly avoiding carbs. She's constantly talking about foods she does or does, can or cannot eat. And I mean, she's now also saying like, oh, do it when someone – why don't you go get help from someone who's actually effective, you know? And it's basically just proof to me that these are women – these are both women who do not understand that they themselves have active eating disorders just because they have not identified that the way that they eat and or the way they purge is disordered – just because they haven't labeled it that. And I know Kyle has, so it's the fucking nerve that she has to be like, Crystal should get help from someone who can really help her. The fact that they haven't been able to identify what it is that they are doing, like they don't think that what they're doing is disordered eating. But just because Crystal talks about her eating disorder, it's a problem. Like they want her to shut up and move on because she is talking about the fact that she has an eating disorder. And I think I think, I personally think, the more Crystal talks about in detail about what her eating disorder looks like, I think it makes them uncomfortable because they themselves all have eating disorders. That's the that's the facts. They all do. And I think every time Crystal brings it up, it makes them uncomfortable because they recognize that someone's going to be like, oh, you eat in a disordered way. Because they do. Because guess what? Most of us do. Most of us women – all of us women who sit around talking about cheat meals and oh food guilt and I need to go on a diet and I'm going to eat salads because I have to go for a you know a vacation or I need to not eat or I need to go on a juice cleanse all that stuff 
all that shit is disordered. That is not a normal way for human beings to eat. That is a small part of what Crystal experiences, but it's still, it's certainly not the same thing that Crystal's going through, but it's still disordered eating. And I think that's what people don't understand about disordered eating or eating disorders. It's not just about binging and purging. It's also about the fact that on a daily basis, you have a relationship with food that keeps you up at night. When you go out to eat and you're constantly thinking about the clothes that you're going to wear and the food that you're going to eat there and what you can or cannot eat because it's going to make you feel good or bad or whatever, if you're reading menus ahead of time, and not just because you want to eat something delicious, but just because you're thinking about how you're going to eat something low calorie, all that stuff is disordered eating. It's not a healthy way of living. It's not a a sustainable way of existing. And all of these women do it. But just because Crystal talks about it, that makes them uncomfortable and they want her to get on with it. To To them, they feel like If things don't move at the pace that they want them to move, then it's not real. And we'll get to the scene that Crystal talks later to Rob, um, the scene where Crystal talks to Rob later in the the, um, episode where she talks about her own timeline. But just the way that they're fucking Erica, of all people, has the nerve to be like, just get some help and move on. Put it to bed like shut the hell up. It just, it was, it was just very indicative of women who do not understand how real human beings with real human being problems function. These are all women who function on a television show to create storylines for that one season. As far as they're concerned, it needs to be buttoned up within the season and then they need to move on. Anyway, speaking of moving on, now Sutton says that she doesn't like being called a liability. She tells everyone about being approached by lawyers about the Jardy case, and that means that Erica is an actual liability to everyone. And, like, essentially what I love about Sutton and Garcelle is that for years and years and years on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, what was really, really frustrating is that none of these women w- would say anything. They would just sit around and look at each other. They would give each other faces and there would be a lot of confessional stuff. But none of these people would have any actual real conversations with each other. And we would all get super frustrated and we would all be like normal human beings screaming the common sense thoughts at our televisions or on Twitter or whatever. And what I like about Sutton and Garcelle is that they're basically saying all the shit that we're all screaming at our TVs out loud. And that is, Erica is an actual liability (laughs) because she is putting everybody here at risk. And Erica and the other women are like, no, 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 Sutton. This only happened to you. The lawyers reached out to you because you spoke up. And that's the reason why you're being roped in. But we all know now. Maybe this wasn't the case when this was filmed, but we all know now that the Umanskis and the Hiltons may have been implicated in all of Erica's shit. That like came out a couple of months ago. So go ahead and do do a Google or go listen to Bravo Docket. I'm sure they've mentioned it, but these people are all implicated within these cases. They may have been roped into some sort of scheme because of these frauds. So yes, Erica is a liability and everybody should get a lawyer. Duh. Anyway, suddenly... Diana changes the topic to Garcelle being a hard person to get close to. She says she can't have a friendship with her because Garcelle's just difficult to get to know. And Garcelle is like, I mean, she says what we all think again, which is when have you even tried to get to know her? 
Like, when have we ever seen you try to get to know her? What are you talking about? And then Rina is chiming in with some Instagram therapy shit. She must follow Sarah Elmadani. She says, did you hear? Do you hear her? And it's me, Garcelle, Kathy, and Sutton. We are all giggling about the same thing. We're like, what the fuck are you talking about? We're all laughing about it. We all laughed about it just like them. And Rina says some shit about Garcelle is getting defensive. And it's like, if <laughs> if I'm sitting in a room and someone says to me, you are a difficult person to get to know. And I respond back to say, when have you tried to get to know me? And someone goes, why are you getting defensive? Well, what the hell else are you supposed to say? If someone is offending you and you defend yourself, you are defensive. Yes, I would be defensive too. And it's so annoying. And then Rena says some shit like, oh, you're fearful. Fearful of what? Like, it's so obvious to me that when Rena says stuff like this, you're fearful of something. This is how the Fox 4 flop function on the show. They're the ones who are actually constantly afraid of how they will be perceived on the internet. That is the worry here. And I think that what Rena is trying to say, and what I, I'm guessing, is that maybe Garcelle doesn't want to get close to Diana because Diana has a rumor of being a prostitute smuggler or whatever, or a, a sex trafficker. I told you guys, I took I took some cold medicine. Okay, things are not coming out the way I need. She was, there's a rumor that she's a high-end escort, uh, madam, or whatever, right? So is Rena trying to say, oh, Garcelle, you're afraid of getting close to her because she has a shitty reputation, which is a shitty thing of Rena to say about her friend. You know what I mean? But anyway, it's just ridiculous because everybody is just laughing at her. Garcelle's laughing at her. And we're all reacting the way a normal human being would, which is, don't come at me with this Instagram bullshit. And then she says something like, if you come from love, you don't come become defensive. And it's like, I'm so glad that Kyle at least is saying in the confessionals what we're all thinking, which is, Rena, you literally have to practice what you preach because you're a psychopath. Anyway, the stupid party ends. Um, then we have a scene with Crystal and Rob, and they talk about the night before, and Crystal gets emotional about answering to them. And this is something Arthi and I actually talked about in the beginning of our last episode, uh, the Married to Medicine episode that I released on Thursday of last week. Uh, and that is that there is this pressure on Crystal, right? Crystal is put under the pressure, and it's so I, I would I would beg I would ask you to go and listen to it. But what essentially what the conversation was was that Crystal's under different kinds of pressure, right? She, as as an Asian person, as a South Asian person, we're not ones to actually get vulnerable and open up about these things, right? We keep them in. We don't talk about them. There's a lot of, like, shame and shit that we have to get over to be able to have these conversations with anybody. So there's that level of pressure. And then finally, when we do open up, the white women in the room are saying, mm, I don't think that I either trust you or I don't accept the way that you are presenting this information or this information isn't uh, familiar to me in the way that I understand it, right? And it's so frustrating because for Crystal, you know, what she needs to know is that these are just her coworkers. And it's frustrating for her to have to sit here and respond or to be to be um, held to their idea of what being over it looks like. If you are a person who has ever had an eating disorder, you know that you never get over it. 
It's not something that you can just put to bed. It's not something that you can wrap up within a season. You can't put a bow on it. I feel like what they're saying is like, oh, if you're talking to somebody, maybe you should put it on camera. She does not have to put her therapist on camera. Sure, they can sit around and make comments about it, but which is fucked up. But I mean, when have they ever done something that's not fucked up? But Crystal doesn't have to show you her journey about how she gets through her eating disorder. She does not, that does not have to be her storyline. Okay. Every time Crystal is vulnerable to them, or every time Crystal expresses her feelings to them, it's never received in the way where they believe it or they trust it. To them, she's a dramatic millennial. To them, she is exaggerating. To them, she's going to cancel people. That's what they think of Crystal because they don't understand her and they don't want to try to understand her. And I think that what Crystal needs to know is you don't have to get your coworkers to try to understand you. You can continue to film with the people who you like, continue to film with Garcelle and Kathy and Sutton and whoever else. And if you film with these dodo birds, please, they have enough rope to hang themselves with and they do it all the time. You really don't even have to try that hard. Just quietly sit there and listen to that these assholes. They will do it on their own. You don't owe them shit. Kathy comes over and this dodo bird problematic Kathy does drop some truth bombs, which is none of these people are people are lawyers or doctors or therapists. They don't, it doesn't matter what they say. They're coming from a place of whatever goodwill, but nothing they're saying really matters all that much. And also do you have a cracker? It's wild. Then we have a stupid Kyle family scene and I don't care. I really don't. I wrote no notes on it and we're just going to move on. Um, Erica and Rinna go to lunch and Rinna says something like Sutton is a trigger for her, which makes no sense because Sutton hasn't done anything to her. And it's crazy because Rinna, the lady who's like, were people doing coke in your house, thinks that Sutton blurts things out without thinking about it. Now, again, Erica and Rinna's problem with Sutton, and we see this also with Kyle and Sutton in the next scene where Kyle goes to lunch with her. And she begins to ask Sutton about this lawyer who reached out about Erica and Sutton very clearly explains it to Kyle. But as soon as she talks very logical and like as soon as Sutton shares logical information that they can't argue with, Kyle's like, oh, you don't let people talk. You get so defensive. It's like you asked her a question and she answered it. And same thing with like Erica and Rinna, right? Like when Rinna goes to lunch with Sutton and they say it's all done and it's it's past it, they're all past it. And then the very next day, she has a lunch at her house, that wine tasting or whatever, and then she blows up at Sutton. I mean, that is exactly what Rinna is saying Sutton does, which is she acts like everything is fine and then suddenly she blurts shit out. But Sutton's not blurting something out that isn't true. Later on, Dorit tries to get on Sutton for being like, you said Erica has a lot of lawsuits. Well, she does. I think ultimately the issue here is that all of these women, whether it's Kyle or Rinna or Erica or Dorit, their thing is that anybody who changes course from what they think should be discussed on TV to them is shady and not nice and below the belt. That's what they feel like. They feel like anybody who functions in a way that is like a normal human being, it's not produced, it's not put on. Anybody who does those things is not being a good friend, you know? Another really shitty thing that happened during this lunch with Sutton and Kyle is that Kyle 
tells Sutton how to make herself small for men. And it's so fucking insane. I was like, you have like how many five daughters? Is this the advice you give your daughters? Like it's crazy that she would say that to somebody. Anyway, and then I feel bad for Sutton because Sutton is so self-deprecating, which I find so relatable. But I also want her – I want her to know, like, girl, Kyle's not your friend. Like, it's I, – I appreciate Garcelle for that, right? Because Garcelle doesn't hold back. And Garcelle will say what's the, what she thinks is the truth. And if they say something ridiculous, Garcelle will just hit them back with a look. Sutton will do the thing which I relate to so much. She'll do the thing where she's like, oh, what? No, me? Yeah, you know, I'm so crazy. I'm so difficult. I know. Blah. Like, you're not difficult. You're crazy. You know what? I take it back. Sutton probably is crazy and difficult. But you don't have to say that in front of these people because they're not your friend. They're not your friend. They're using every time you put yourself down, Sutton, every time you say a self-deprecating joke, these women use it as ammo for the next scene, okay? Um, they all get ready for this stupid disco roller ring rent a beauty party. Uh, everyone comes in various costumes with large hairstyles. Uh, when the pictures came out for this, Rinna posted a picture of herself saying that she was Donna Summers. Okay. And listen, listen, Countess Luann called. Okay. And she's kept the black face to herself. You had a bronze face and you called yourself the name of a black woman. It's still very problematic. What the hell? Uh, anyway, um, Rinna also like really snaps at a bunch of people who are working there and she's just such a psychopath. She's, she's an absolute nightmare. Um, Kyle invites everyone to Aspen and there's a whole bunch of chatter about people staying in one house or another house in a hotel. And I feel like this might be important, but I also wonder like Beverly Hills loves to put random shit in and like at filler footage. So I don't know what that was about, but I'll bookmark it for the future. We get this scene of Kathy talking about Rick, her husband, and she says something along the lines of Rick is like a nice Catholic boy and, you know, he never wants to make a, make a mistake. And, you know, he said something like, you say something wrong and you get canceled. It's crazy because it's like, I'm sitting here watching Kathy, this scene in the last uh, party scene also, and I'm, she's cracking me up, right? She's making me laugh, but I also know she's a lunatic and she's not a good person and she's very problematic. And like we said last week, she's racist, not clu- clueless, you know? But it's like in a sea of dog shit, she. <laughs> She's the least stinky dog shit. Like, I don't know what to think about it, at least in, at this point. Um, Kyle <laughs> is checking in with Sutton, and she's like, what is Sutton? Sutton, are you still mad about Erica calling you a liability? Let's talk about it. It's fucking stirring the pot. And Kyle says something like, Erica, what did you mean when you said Sutton is a liability? And Erica says that Sutton's friendship with Garcelle keeps Garcelle from getting close to us. And I think what she really means is we'd like to make friends with a new girl, but her nerdy weirdo friend makes us not want to be friends with her. And it's like the most high school bullshit I've ever heard. Like you guys are mistreating Sutton, which Rinna admits over and over again. And that makes Garcelle not want to be close to you. What is so difficult to understand? It's like Garcelle says it so clearly every single time. Again, I appreciate Garcelle for saying the part, the things that we're all screaming at our TVs out loud. They're trying to get to the bottom of this issue that was presented at Dorit's 
homeless, not toothless event, which Kathy calls homeless and toothless. Garcelle laughs and Dorit snaps and says, don't laugh. That's messed up. But then when Kyle mispronounces it later, Dorit does not snap at Kyle. And I think that that's something to note. Anyway, Kathy says she's worked with the homeless. She's worked with the toothless. And Erica is laughing and she says, that's not funny, but she's still laughing. So I want to note that because I feel like Dorit, who is the champion of problematic retelling of a story and dramatic retelling of a story, will probably bring this up later and lie about it. So I would like to note that. Anyway, they get back to the topic at hand. And again, Rinna is just being a shitty human being. And she says that she's being shitty and we should all excuse it because of her grief. And here's the thing. If you are so... Um, if you're having such a difficult time dealing with your grief that you are now snapping at your coworkers, you know what? Take a mental health day and leave. It's not acceptable in any place to say I'm going through a lot, so it's okay for me to behave this way. It's the same thing they say about Erica, right? Erica's going through a lot, so it's okay for her to act this way. It's okay for her to drink and let loose because she's going through so much. Rena's, it's okay for her to snap at people because she's going through so much. But they don't have any of the sympathy for, say, Lisa Vanderpump. Did you guys see that shit? Okay, so I don't listen to this podcast, um, but I, it always comes up on my Twitter because other people do, and then they screenshot it or screen record it, and it comes up on Twitter. But Teddy on the, her stupid-ass podcast, uh, John Mellicam's daughter, said something like, Oh, I know people get mad at us for not giving Lisa Vanderpump the same amount of something like the same, what is it? Like the, the same amount of sympathy or the same uh, grace as we've trying to, we're trying to give. We, and she says we, like, Teddy, you're not even there. You're not even there. Why are you saying we? But anyway, she says that Rena should be giving grace and people are mad that Lisa Vanderpump was not. And then she says something like, you didn't even know that. That she said something like, we didn't even know that he had a brother. And obviously the internet started pulling out all the facts, all the receipts, all these scenes. She's sat and had a conversation on camera with Lisa Vanderpump about her brother. Like, it's all such bullshit. I remember that season because they went to the Atlantis and or like the Bahamar or something like that. And I remember that was a season where like Lisa Vanderpump didn't want to get in the water. Like she wanted to sit to the side and everybody was like, oh, she's being such a Debbie Downer. Why are you being such a Debbie Downer? All this shit because she was going through immense grief. It's ugh, I can't. I can't with these people. Anyway, um, Sutton is trying to clarify what happened and with this lawyer stuff and Erica says something under her breath about, Oh, and I have a drinking problem. And then in conversation switches over to Erica being mad at Garcelle for being concerned about her drinking. And again, the women can sit around and talk about crystals eating disorder with extreme, um, detail, but not Erica's drinking. And again, I appreciate Garcelle for not sitting back and taking it. Like she's not going to sit around and let these women twist the narrative. And of course, Dorit's retelling of the story makes Garcelle seem like a much angrier black woman than I think that Garcelle was. Garcelle very calmly talked to Dorit. And this is the second time. Dorit has a history of this. She did this to Sutton as well. So she does this shit where she retells the story in a very dramatic fashion. Um, but something comes up about Erica's like, look, 
if I really had a problem, these women that are closest to me would pull me aside. Now, here's the thing. They did. Rina did pull you aside and she had the exact same conversation with you that Garcella was trying to have with other women who are closer to you to try to understand what is going on. You know, it's not like anything that was said by Garcelle to the other women was different than what Garcelle said to you, Erica. And it's not different than what Rina said to you. And here's the thing. This is how these women want to function. These want women want to present their issues, quote unquote, and then they want to be able to be the ones to close their issues, quote unquote, close them, right? And they want to be able to do it on their timeline. They want to be able to do it during filming and they want to be able to construct the, the scenes where these things happen. The reason why they get so mad at Garcelle is because Al is doing it her own way. She's going to talk about it the way that she wants to talk about it. As far as they're concerned, Erica looked drunk. She had a conversation with Rinna, and then it should have been closed. But the thing is, you did things that infected, affected somebody's children, and then that somebody whose children were affected is going to continue to talk about it because that is the way a normal human being reacts. And Erica... And the rest of these women are functioning the way a television show is made. Erica, Rinna, Kyle, and Dorit are making a television show that is produced where they get to come up with their storylines and they get to close up their storylines. Garcelle and Sutton are simply, simply reacting to the things that they're watching happen. And that is driving these women insane. That's all it is. Okay, let's move on to rehearsals of the Bay. Um, like I said, this Caroline versus Ayan thing is just ridiculous because they open up on this fight and Caroline is making herself a victim in this argument against Ayan. It is such a typical white woman not owning her own problematic statements. She says something like, saying what do you do is is not a double entendre, right? And, and the thing is, ultimately what I saw between Ayan and Caroline was Stanberry doesn't have thick skin. Ayan has thicker skin and is the bigger person. She apologizes to Stanberry, and Stanberry is a thin-skinned weirdo who is obviously unraveling. She says she's going to sleep it off. She doesn't accept her apology. And I just love Ayan because she says, thank God it's not the 1800s. I made a white woman cry. I wouldn't be here. Mm. Like, how do you not love this lady? I love her so much. Now, again, going back to this Vulture article, Caroline Stanbury is absolutely unraveling on Twitter, guys. She's losing her mind. And based on the way she's reacting to the article and based on how she is acting on this television show, it's very clear to me that she thought a different show was being made. And she is pissed that Chanel Ann is the star. Um, anyway, after this stupid-ass fight, Caroline goes back. She doesn't accept Diane's apology. She goes back and cries about it to Sergio. And again, I'm not quite sure what this woman is crying about. But like this, again, between this the culture, uh, the Vulture uh, article, all that stuff, she's just unraveling really bad. And I think it's because she recognizes that she's a flop of the century. She doesn't have her alpha energy anymore that she did before, right? She doesn't have the ability to fight with this person. And I do wonder if some of it is the fact that she's aware of the optics of Caroline constantly talking down to this black woman and how it's going to be received online. 
for good reason. It should be received a certain way because she's extremely microaggressive in the way that she fights with Ayan. And I'll, and I'll talk about it later. Now, Nina is a social climber. I really don't give a shit about her. And she's crawling all the way up. Her greatest climb is climbing up Caroline Stanberry's butt. The next day, they do a sound bath and Sergio's corny ass shows up. And I just, ugh, I hate it. I understand why, like, I just, I understand why Ion gets so irritated and everybody's so irritated with Caroline Stanberry and how she functions. But at the same time, it's Caroline Stanberry's vacation, quote unquote. Like, it's her trip that she's invited them to. So if her stupid ass husband wants to show up, that's fine. But again, I'm very confused about why Stanberry started crying so hard. And the only thing I can point to is that she's aware of the optics of what this fight looks like. But Stanberry and Ayan eventually do have a chat. And Ayan explains to herself that, you know, Stanberry, she explains herself and Stanberry says that Ayan misheard her and misunderstood her. And the fight that they're having is Ayan says, you keep asking me what I do and I'm trying to tell you what I do. I'm trying to tell you who I am and what I do. And it's extremely triggering to me to constantly be asked, what do you do when I've told you what I do? It's belittling to me. And Stanberry's like, why would you ever think I would belittle you? Because that's what you do to everybody. You do that to your own husband. Why would anybody not think that you're belittling them? Um, later on, Sergio and Caroline move into a new place and they talk IVF and honestly, I don't give a shit. But Brooke shows up and she is there to suck Caroline's dick. She's there to suck Stanberry's dick and she's checking in on her. And what's frustrating here is when they're on the island – Brooks is very supportive of Ayan and she understands it. And they have this great scene where they're talking about the way that black women constantly have to explain themselves and they constantly feel misheard and they constantly feel misunderstood all the time. And when we, they try to explain themselves, they're met with something, somebody saying, why are you being so aggressive? Why are you fighting with me? And then the white ladies here show up. And she's having this great conversation with Ayan and Lisa. But when they get back to Maine the Bite, um, she's over there talking to Stanberry about like, oh, how are you doing? And I'm so sorry. And what's going on? And something happens here with Stanberry says, Ayan can't use not understanding English as an excuse anymore for why we keep having this miscommunication. And it's such bullshit because when Stanberry wants – she uses being British as an excuse. I'm cold because I'm British. I'm cold because I'm English. I'm cold because I went to boarding school. Oh, I said, you know, so are you going to suck my husband's dick? Because I'm English. You know, I'm mad. Uh, I talk about etiquette because I'm English. It's all the rules only apply when the English lady says that they apply. But when Ayan wants to defend herself, suddenly it doesn't apply. She says that Ayan never thanked her. And of course, the producers roll that tape. It becomes very, very evident to me that Caroline Stanberry is not paying attention. She's not listening. She doesn't care. Oh, speaking of not listening, going back to Beverly Hills for a second. The fact that Kyle's best friend on the show is Dorit and Kyle doesn't even know the name of the foundation that Dorit is working on is again proof that Kyle never listens <laughs> and Kyle doesn't care. This is Nanny K all over again. Anyway, back to the bite. It is really frustrating to watch this because 
people really are still, I mean, most of the world right now that is watching the bite has really turned on Stanberry. I think that we all went in hoping that it would be, you know, her great return to Bravo, but she really showed that she is low budget. But it's frustrating because it's, it's frustrating, but at the same time, it's kind of validation, right? I, I don't know. I enjoy watching this one white lady on a show of a bunch of with a bunch of diverse women, but with a bunch of very dynamic, very cool black women <laughs> fail. I just enjoy it, okay? After watching years and years and years of minorities on shows with white women on Bravo, I'm kind of enjoying watching Caroline Stanberry fall on her face. Okay, sue me. Um, and then, of course, we have one of the most gut-wrenching, sad moments on Bravo TV, and it is we hear Ayan's backstory. And I knew this was coming because I had seen the chatter on Twitter, but watching it, I still it still fucked me up. And um, I would encourage you all to go and read the Vulture article about Chanelian. I know everybody has a lot of feelings about her, why is she at Teresa's wedding, blah, blah, blah. But I actually think she's, again, I said it from day one of Dubai. I think she's a very cool, dynamic lady. I think she has a perspective to share that is different than anybody else's. I think her testimonial or confessional work is fantastic. I think she's really, really interesting. What I don't think is interesting is hypnotherapy. What I don't think is helpful is having Sarah Almadani talk about hypnotherapy because she's a fraud. Now, Sarah Almadani is on Instagram and on Twitter going on and on and on against Ayan. And her claim is that Ayan is a flop and she's a fraud and all this stuff. She's got all these things to say. And she's like, I'm a successful woman and all this stuff. Like I said, all these tech companies that Sarah Almadani has said that she worked on they're no longer in business. Um, she posted a thing of all of the businesses she works with. And one of them was she in. <laughs> it's like, I think there's 13 year olds on TikTok who also work with she in. Um, and then, you know, she talks about being this youngest person in the Dubai board of commerce or something. She lost that position because she was dating um, an Italian softcore porn star. So, which she's never talked about on on the show. So as far as I'm concerned, all these women, Sarah, Nina, Stanberry, and even Brooks, think that they can pile up together and be against Diane because, yes, Diane can be annoying. Yes. But they're functioning the way the Fox 4 flop function, and they think that the audience is stupid. But the audience is not stupid. They're like, oh, you know, Chanel Ayan is a fraud. She's not rich, blah, blah, blah. I don't care if she's not rich. She's interesting. She's an actual interesting human being. That's the thing. Caroline Stanberry is not interesting. Nina is not interesting. Sarah Amadani is a liar. And Caroline Brooks is a flip-flopper. I actually think Brooks would be fantastic on the show. And I wouldn't even – I don't even think that Stanberry is – terrible for the show she's just not the center of the show and she is doing the thing where she's trying to change production or control the way the show is made which is really really frustrating but it's not necessarily it's not necessarily bad enough where I think she shouldn't be on next year like I do think that a really a friendship between Ayan and Stanberry could be really really funny I just think that they need to rethink what they think the show is. It's really not a show about glitz and glamour. I think the more interesting show is talking about the reality of these women from very diverse areas of the world 
from very diverse backgrounds being able to come together in a completely foreign country that none of them are from except for Sarah Madani, who I don't need to see on the show anymore. But you need to talk about that journey and that that um, experience. I don't care about the Atlantis and the weird underground, underwater peep show. I don't care about the corny wave machine. I don't care about the man-made islands. What I actually care about are the stories of these women. And Chanel Ayan is the only one, the only one who's actually talked about her life. And yes, maybe she's not as rich as maybe she's presenting herself and we've never seen her house, but I don't give a shit. She's extremely interesting to watch and that's really all that matters. Um, that's it for this week, uh, this week, this episode, I will be back, um, on Wednesday to talk about Real Houses of Atlanta and Married to Medicine. I'm hoping Arthi can hop back on for that. Um, and, uh, I'll be back, uh, after that, um, <laughs> as usual. Um, but I might take off for Labor Day. Um, and, and during that week I might, uh, release a Patreon episode that I did with my brother to talk about Mija Black, which I thought was really funny. Um, but, uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening and I'll be back next time. Bye. Bye.